Well, it's the first weekend in February, I'm sure you've noticed. Uh, we're just over a month into the new year. And I know that New Year's Day seems a long time ago, but I wonder how many of you made New Year's resolutions. And more importantly, you know where this is going, uh, I wonder how many of you are still going on with your New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you know this, but whether it's a, a small, seemingly achievable resolution or whether it's a huge, life-changing resolution, people tend to fail at the same rate. Research shows that approximately 80% of people will have given up on their New Year's resolution by the second week of February. So if you're still going with your New Year's resolution, well done, keep pressing on. Uh, you're doing better than most people. It can be hard to stick to New Year's resolutions, can't it? Some of us want to prioritize getting fitter, uh, eating more healthily. Uh, others of us want to prioritize watching TV less, uh, reading more books, getting outside more. But often the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. There are pressures of family life, uh, pressure of illness and jobs and, and busyness in church life, different responsibilities that seem to be competing with each other. And on top of that, we've only got 24 hours in the day. Emergencies crop up, uh, which mean our best laid plans are thrown out the window. And it can lead to frustration, can't it? You know, this year was going to be the year that I was going to get fitter or eat better. And it can lead to stress and, and anxiety and annoyance. Too much to do and not enough time to do it. And the question I want to ask this morning is, what does the Lord Jesus say that our priority should be? Of all the things that we could have resolved to do this year, what should be the number one thing? What should be the thing that we just cannot let slip? What does the Bible have to say to us about this this morning? Well, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, page 1042 in the church Bibles. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So picture the scene. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem because the time for him to die on the cross is near. Uh, we know that from the previous chapter. If you flick back to chapter 9 and have a look at verse 51, it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he arrives at this village called Bethany. We know from elsewhere in scripture that Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus live in Bethany. So here Jesus arrives and no doubt he's in need of a rest and he's in need of some food 
and this lady, Martha, opens up her home to him. So far, so good. But as we look inside the home, we can see that there's tension in the air. And one of the reasons there's tension in the air is that Martha is distracted by good works. She's opened up her home to Jesus, but as verse 40 says, she's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You can just picture it. Martha's thrown a hoover around the living room. She's running upstairs with the laundry. She's kicking stuff into cupboards. She's scooshing Febreze everywhere. She's, uh, you know, she's making meals. She's getting the drinks ready. She's getting the place all nice. It's hard not to feel sorry for her. Jesus, the Son of God, is coming to our home. She wants to make the place nice. Nothing wrong with that. What a privilege to have Jesus turn up at your house. She's, she's being proactive. There's, there's stuff that needs to be done, and she's getting on with it all by herself. But notice that all this running around is not presented as a good thing in the passage. No, it's actually presented as a problem in the passage. We know from the way that Martha is described. How is she described? We see that she's described as being distracted. She's distracted by all the preparation that had to be made, all the tasks that she thought she needed to do. That's Martha's problem, isn't it? Jesus has come to her home, but she's distracted by other things, other good things. But that's not the only reason that there's tension in there. You see, there's another reason, and it's to do with Martha's sister, Mary. You see, Mary is devoted to Jesus' words we see that in verse 39. Again, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to Jesus' words, uh, they, they, that sounds like a good thing, uh, but not according to Martha. Martha is not happy about this one bit. Look how she complains in verse 40. Look at the, the end there. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. In other words, I'm running around here trying to get everything ready for you and Mary's doing absolutely nothing. Tell her to help me. And notice how she questions the Lord Jesus' compassion for her. Lord, don't you care? Tell her to help me. She's so angry. So angry with Jesus. So angry with her sister. Her heart is... It's full of anger, it's full of resentment, full of bitterness that she's doing all the work. And we see that in the way that she speaks to Jesus. It comes out of her, doesn't it? Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you see what I'm doing here? Are you not going to help, Jesus? But notice Jesus' loving reply to Martha. Martha. Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus does not instruct Mary to get up and help Martha. Instead, Jesus tells Martha that Mary is doing the right thing. Martha might have a problem with Mary sitting and listening to Jesus' words, but Jesus doesn't have a problem with Mary doing that. I don't know about you, but if, if Martha had complained to me, I might have been tempted to say, yeah, Mary, 
Stop being so lazy. Get up and help your, your sister. Stop sitting there. But do you see what Jesus is saying? He's lovingly and tenderly saying to Martha, look, Martha, the problem's not with what Mary's doing. The problem's with what you're doing. Martha's distracted by all these preparations. She's, she's feeling anxious. She's feeling overburdened. She's frustrated and angry with Jesus and her sister. Her focus is all wrong. She's focused on so many things, but not the main thing. Jesus says in verse 42, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Martha is so caught up in other stuff that she's missed the primary thing that she needs to focus on, the Lord Jesus' words. That's what Mary's chosen. Mary's chosen what is better, and it's not to be taken away from her, just so that Martha can have an extra pair of hands. I want us to zoom in on, on Mary just for a moment, though. I want us to notice what she's, she's doing. She's not said anything in this argument, but uh, her actions speak volumes. We notice that uh, Martha, uh, sorry, Mary is, is listening, and she's also sitting. And this tells us a great deal uh, about Mary. The tense used for the word listening in verse 39 has, has this sense of, of absorbing. As Mary listens, uh, what she's doing is she's soaking everything in that the Lord Jesus is saying to her, like a sponge. She's captivated by the Lord Jesus and his words. But she's also sitting at his feet. This is a sign of, of humility as she sits there at her teacher's feet, taking in what he's saying. It's a picture of dependence. It's a picture of a loving relationship between the Lord Jesus and one of his followers. You see, in the way that Mary's listening and in the way that she's sitting at Jesus' feet, she's letting everyone know that there is nowhere else that she would rather be. Jesus is her Lord. Uh, she's, uh, he's her master. He's her teacher. He's her savior. There's nowhere else she'd rather be right now. No one else that she'd rather be listening to than the Lord Jesus. Her sister can complain all she likes, but Mary is going nowhere. She's devoted to Jesus' words. She wants to ponder what Jesus is saying, to, to meditate on it, to reflect on it, to understand it, to learn from his words. Everything else, everything else that could be done takes second place for Mary. And as we, as we look at these two women in their two different circumstances, and as we reflect on uh, the, the attitudes of their heart, as we look at their different responses to Jesus, uh, my question is this, who are you most like? Are you more like Martha? Uh, do you feel like you're just constantly running around busy, very little time, if any, for listening to the Lord Jesus' words? When Andy Patterson was leading the service last weekend, uh, in his prayer he used the, the phrase, uh, he was praying for people who were harassed and harried. I really like that expression. Does that, describe, does that describe you? Are you kind of just always in a rush? Are you kind of irritable? Are you an angry person? And, and the different forms of anger comes out. You know, maybe you're someone who just kind of bottles up your anger. Uh, maybe you're somebody who's kind of passive-aggressive, just that settled disposition of, of angriness? Are you somebody that's got a kind of explosive temper? You, do, you, do you anger out that way? 
Are you worried like Martha? Are you anxious? Are you easily upset? Are you, are you somebody who, who spends much of their day uh, going about paying too much attention to what other people are doing uh, or not doing as the case may be? Or are you more like Mary? Are you genuinely devoted to the Lord Jesus' words? Do you give the Lord Jesus' words the primary place in your life despite all the other things that could crowd in, are Jesus' words number one? I think if we're being completely honest, many of us are like Martha. I think if we're honest, we run around doing lots of good stuff, lots of helpful stuff even, yet we're not wholly devoted to the Lord Jesus and his words. Some of us are um, people pleasers, uh, we like to be busy, we like folk to notice what we're doing, we like them to say, oh, that's, that's a great job you're doing there. It makes us feel good about ourselves, it gives us, it gives us meaning, it gives us a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Yet inside there's nothing going on. We're just going through the motions week after week, year after year, without any living, active uh, devotion to the Lord Jesus' words. And we see this reflected in how we spend our time. We're busy with all sorts of things in a week. Some of it important. Some of it not so important. Some of us are devoted to the words of, of newspapers and social media. And we, we escape in novels. Uh, we're devoted to the words of our favorite songs. We can recite them very easily. Some are devoted to you know, the latest person on the block who's got a platform, Jordan Peterson, for example, people like that, devoted to all sorts of words, but not necessarily the Lord Jesus' words. And very little time do we give to the one thing that is needed, as Jesus puts it in verse 42, listening to his words. We live off the fumes and the, the embers and the scraps of things that we've heard in the past when we could be every day having the fuel and the fire and the feast of the Lord Jesus' words. If only we'd set aside our distractions and devote ourselves to him. But the question is, what does it mean to listen to Jesus' words? Is it just about sitting about all day reading the Bible? Well, no, it isn't. You see, when it comes to listening to Jesus' words, the Bible always puts an emphasis on putting them into practice, of, of obeying Jesus' words. Come back over the page with me, please, to, to Luke chapter 9, and let's uh, read these words in uh, verses 34 and verses, uh, verse 35. This is the story of the transfiguration, and some of the disciples are up on a mountain, and this is what this passage says, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. What God the Father means here as he speaks from the cloud is, listen to my son, but obey him. If you flick past the Martha and Mary story to Luke chapter 11, 
Uh, look at this verse, uh, verse 28. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. Luke eleven twenty-eight. Jesus replied, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Again, an emphasis on obedience, on obeying Jesus' words. It's not an optional extra for followers of Jesus. Romans 2.13, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. James 1.22-24, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The Old Testament teaches the same thing we read earlier in Ecclesiastes 12. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. Do you see this connection between listening and obeying, listening to Jesus' words and obeying those words. We know this to be true from, from everyday life too. If, if you had been a fly on the wall in my parents' house when I was younger, you might have heard them from, from time to time saying, Adam, are you listening? They're not checking whether I'm, my parents weren't checking whether I was deaf or not, you know, whether I had some kind of blockage in my, my inner ear. They're saying, Adam, we've, we've told you what we expect from you. Are you going to put it into practice? Are you listening to us? To listen is to obey. To listen to Jesus' words is to be obedient to Jesus' words. The story of Martha and Mary isn't about the contemplative life versus a life of, of action. Uh, this passage is not uh, instructing us to go and live in a cave on our own, sitting with our legs crossed, reading the Bible all day. No, listening to Jesus involves a life of active obedience to him. It's quite interesting where Luke places this story about Martha and Mary. He places it right after the story of the Good Samaritan, a story about uh, loving our neighbor. And in this story, Jesus blows the categories of the people who are listening to him about how far we're meant to go in terms of loving our neighbor. He says we're even meant to love our enemies. And we need to hold on to that as we look at a story like Martha and Mary. If we're devoted to Jesus' words, we'll be obedient to love the Lord our God and to actively love our neighbor. Now, maybe you're here uh, this morning and the idea of, of sitting down and uh, reading uh, the Bible uh, is, a, is a daunting prospect. The Bible is a, a big book. And you're not sure where you would even begin. Or maybe you're here this morning and you, you actually find it hard to, to sit still for any length of time. Uh, maybe you're scared of silence, scared of being left alone with your own thoughts. I completely understand that. Uh, we start thinking about uh, old ways that we've lived, old habits that we had, uh, people that we've done wrong to, old regrets. If either of these things describe you, uh, the best thing that you could de do today on this Sunday morning is to ask somebody that you trust uh, to, to meet up with you and to read Jesus' words, to read the Bible with you, so that 2020 is a year uh, when you become devoted to the Lord Jesus' words. Forget about Brexit, forget about the weather, forget about the Six Nations. Maybe use the time afterwards 
to speak to someone and ask, look, I, I, I really could do with some help in this area. Could you, could you help me? Could you read the Bible with me? That'd be a good start to 2020. Or maybe you're someone who has been around church for a long time and you, to be honest, you know all this. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. You know you should be in God's word regularly, feasting on it, uh, you know, confessing sin in light of what it's saying, adoring the Lord Jesus in light of what it says about him. But if you're honest, you, you've let it slip. Uh, maybe it was your New Year's resolution and already you've quit. Maybe this is a regular thing for you year after year. Maybe you're an expert in the book of Genesis um, as you get to the end of January, but then it all kind of falls, falls apart after that. Let me encourage you uh, that God's mercies are new every morning. And you don't need the start of a new year uh, to devote yourself to Jesus' words again. If you're in that, that bracket, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you think you could uh, find nine minutes in your day? Uh, nine minutes uh, when you could take a break from all your other responsibilities. Uh, I say nine minutes because uh, it takes the average reader nine minutes a day to get through the whole Bible in a year. Uh, now, if you've been a Christian for a while, nine minutes is not a lot of a, not much of a, of a commitment out of your day. Even if you're a slow reader, that only takes a few more minutes. I'd love you to give more than nine minutes a day, but if you're given zero minutes a day to devote yourself to Lord Jesus' words, then nine minutes is surely a good place for us to get started. We're only a month into 2020. Uh, could you make listening to the Lord Jesus' words your number one priority again this year? It's not really an optional extra for the, the Christian life. Jesus says that, you know, it is the most needful thing that we could be doing. Could you find someone who could help you, who could keep you accountable to that and keep them accountable to it as well? I know we're all busy. Uh, I know we've all got important responsibilities, but according to Jesus, listening to him is our number one priority. I want to show you an example from Jesus' own busy life that I think is really quite revealing. Uh, come back with me a few pages to Luke chapter 5, and let's read about the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 5, let's read uh, verses 15 and 16. Uh, Jesus is out in one of the towns and he, he's, he's healing people. And this is how verse 15 starts off. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their illnesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Can you imagine that? Uh, crowds of people are coming to hear Jesus, to hear his teaching and to be healed by him. And yet Jesus often, it says here, withdrew to pray. Jesus left these things undone to prioritize time with his father. He didn't let important things, even important things like teaching people and healing people get in the way of uh, time devoted to spending with his father. Do you think you can do that this year? Uh, can you leave important things undone for a while so that you can devote time to spending, to listening to Jesus' words? If you're a bit of a perfectionist, uh, can you spend less time on the things that maybe take more time than they really should? 
uh, to be able to listen to the Lord Jesus' words? Can the Marthas in the room uh, who like to make meals from scratch and like to have immaculate homes leave some of these things undone to be devoted to the Lord Jesus' words? I don't know if you, you know this or not, but do you know how many deaths were caused in the UK in 2019 by people going into homes with dusty mirrors? Does anybody know the statistic? No, I, I don't know either. I'm just, I, I just, I, I don't think there is a statistic. I don't think anybody did die of that. We can leave these things undone and devote ourselves more to the Lord Jesus' words. The question that we need to ask is this, is listening to Jesus' words my number one priority in life? And if it's not, why is it not? Let me tell you, if we don't get all our jobs done in a day, but we've spent time listening to Jesus' words, then that has been a good day. If we don't take everything off the task list, but we've spent time with Jesus, it's been a very good day. And if you're here today, and, and all this is, is new to you, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I, I hope and pray that 2020 is a year when you start listening to Jesus' words. You know, Jesus says to Martha that the main thing necessary in this life is to listen to him. That is an enormous claim by Jesus. Don't you think that that merits some investigating? Don't you think it, it merits investigating what else Jesus has said about himself? Uh, what he says about sin, what he says about life after death, what he says about how it is that you can be right with God. What other people in the Bible say about the Lord Jesus? In another one of the accounts of Jesus' life, a book called John's Gospel, Simon Peter says about Jesus that he has the words of eternal life. Again, that's a massive claim to be making about Jesus' words. If that's true, if Jesus does have the words of eternal life, then again, another big claim, something else to investigate further. And if you want to do that, again, head to the Connect Corner. There's people that, that can help you with that. There'll be people in the church that would love to spend time with you investing the claims of the Lord Jesus in more detail. Uh, let me finish by saying that if we are really devoted to Jesus Christ, then nothing in our lives will get in the way of us devoting ourselves to his words. We've been thinking, as Matt said, over the past few weeks about uh, how churches uh, should, be, should be organized. We believe as a church that the church is Christ-ruled, elder-led, deconserved, and congregationally governed. It's important stuff. If you haven't listened to the, the talks, definitely listen to them again. But, but those structures don't make a healthy church on their own. Uh, healthy churches require healthy members, and healthy members are those who are devoted to the Lord Jesus' words. It's a privilege to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to walk through life uh, close to him, uh, devoted to his words. That should uh, really humble us that we get to do that as Christians. And the more deeply that we grasp the truth of this privilege, uh, the more humble we become as followers of Jesus, uh, the more interested we become in everything that he says in his word, and the more that we want to obey what he says and live it out in our lives. If we've really grasped the privilege of being a follower of the Lord Jesus, then Jesus' words are all that ultimately matters to us. We'll prioritize listening to Jesus' words 
over every other good choice that we could make in a day. Jesus says to Martha, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary chose what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What will you choose to do this morning? Will you devote yourself to the words of Jesus in the scriptures? Or are you going to let all the other good stuff that you could be doing uh, distract you from spending time with him? Will you be distracted by good works or will you be devoted to Jesus' words? Jesus says, don't get distracted. Be devoted to my words. Let's pray together.